Guys, I love basketball. This is not a surprise. Oh my gosh, are you so sick of hearing me talk about basketball week in, week out? Hey, I love, I love basketball. I grew up uh, in San Antonio watching my Spurs just wreck fools. And mm, uh, I was thinking about it. I've actually loved basketball longer than I've loved Jesus. Not more, just longer. I just thought it was funny when I was thinking about it. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I didn't become a Christian until later. That's, but I became a, a basketball in early on. Didn't take me very long. Hey, I, I, love, I love basketball. I love playing basketball. I love watching basketball. I love talking about basketball, obviously. And with that means that I had this one challenge in my life. I had to play my dad all the time in basketball. Now, my dad, he, uh, he's a pretty good athlete. Um, I did not get all of his genes. Um, and, 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 you know, look, I don't, I don't know if anyone can relate to like an older brother or sister or a mom or dad that just like, whenever you guys play your sport, they just whip you in it. Or like that game that you play, and they just, they always win. They always win. My dad, uh, you know, maybe there'd be times just because I was young, he would, you know, let me get a couple extra points and, and all that stuff, and it'd be close, and then he would go on a run and just, just smother me. And, and it didn't matter if it was horse or, or one-on-one. It, I could be in, like, mid-season form as, like, an 11-year-old Matt. <laughs> and, and I'd be in mid-season form, and my dad would come up. He hadn't touched the ball in, like, four months and just drain everything on me. And there was nothing I could do about it. Then eventually, I, I, when I was 15, I started to, to fill out a little bit. Uh, filled out my hair as well. Actually, I have a family picture from the year that I'm talking about right now. With <laughs> I was single, and you're not surprised. Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> anyway, so there's me. There's, there's my dad. He was actually still in pretty good shape, and we played one-on-one pretty regularly, and he would beat me every single time. All right, let's take that away, because we don't need to look at that anymore. Yeah, so I, I, I had filled out a little bit, and I, I understood some of the competitive nature I needed to be able to, to maybe stand a chance against my dad. I, I thought about strategies. I thought about the way he played and how I could, how could counter his, his technique. And, uh, you know, we played a couple games and it got close. And I think maybe you could see it in his eye that I was reaching that age where, and he was reaching that age, where eventually I was going to win. Then one day, just a few months after that picture was taken, in a gym in Warsaw, Missouri, we played. Oh, we played one-on-one. We played to 15 by ones and twos. And it was an epic battle. It was the, the biggest, most intense game I'd ever played with him. I was locked in. There was never a time when I came out of my stance, I was like, sliding the feet. Now it's making sense that I wasn't very good, isn't it? Uh, you know, I, I, was, I was intense, and it didn't matter what it took. I was going to win on this day. And he came out strong. I don't know, I was down like six or seven to one. And you reach that point when you think, maybe this is it. I thought today was the day, but maybe it's just like all those other times when he beat me. But I, I stayed low, I dug deep, and I kept fighting. And I slowly, slowly would make a comeback. I'd, I'd get a layup, and then he'd knock a cold old man jumper right down with my hand in his face. I would hit a three, and he would come back with, with a, another old man post-move. 
But then I dug even deeper, deeper than I ever had before in a battle. Blood against blood. All of our pride on the line. And when the dust settled, for the first time in my life, I had prevailed. Ooh, yeah, there you go. All right. Now, I, I was 15, and my dad and I have never played one-on-one since. Uh, that was it. That was my first and only victory. I think I'm like 1 and 267 against him. Uh, he always whips me. But it was a comeback story for the ages. Don't laugh. Who doesn't like a good comeback story, right? Uh, you see somebody, and against all odds, they, they prevail. Someone who they're down, they seem like they're down and out. And then they come back and win. That's, that's why we watch movies. That's why superhero movies are good. Like, I don't like Superman because I feel like if they portrayed Superman realistically, he would never need to come back. Like, always at the end, he just unleashes the obvious, more powerful thing and just wins every time. I, I'm not a Superman fan. Sorry if I just offended some of you guys. But, but today, today we're finishing a series called Undefeated. And it's this idea, and it's the top of your notes, that as a follower of Jesus, you are undefeated. As a follower of Jesus, you are undefeated. And it's this idea that comes from, from the scripture in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he says this. Uh, he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you're the Messiah, son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you're blessed, Peter. Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he's saying, look, I'm building my church, this church, the same church that he's talking about is the church that you're sitting in today, because it's not just one church, but it's a movement. It's not a building that you sit in, it's a movement that you're a part of, and that movement that Jesus is talking about, building his church, we are a part of it today. And he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We'll win. We are undefeated. Maybe you don't feel that way. Dude, Matt, look at my life. I, I am not undefeated. Uh, I, I have this going on. I've had this happen to me. I'm struggling with this. And, and there's no way that I, I can be undefeated if if I feel like this. Look, I think we need a perspective shift. We need to understand what's most important. Uh, some of you guys are, are, have been set back in life. You've experienced setbacks. Holy cow, I have experienced setbacks. Uh, if you're in this room, you've experienced setbacks of some kind. Something bad has happened to you. You've done something bad. You've gotten yourself in trouble. Uh, someone else's actions have caused you to be in a position of trouble. Or, or maybe uh, just... Uh, your health or, or something else, something has set you back in life, right? And, and so, so we're at a point where we can all look around the room and we can agree we've all experienced setbacks. Now I'm going to read a verse that anyone who's experienced setbacks uh, needs to familiarize themselves with. It's James uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It's going to be up on the screen and in your notes. It says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, don't like how it starts. I'm just speaking personally. I don't love this. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. 
Now, now James chapter 1, I'm not a huge fan of those verses. Because I read those, and look, when I'm going through setbacks, I don't want to consider them joy. Like, it, just in the quietness of your mind, think of a couple of the setbacks that you're experiencing in life right now. Do you want to consider those joy? Are you joyful about your setbacks? Probably not. It's not easy. It's not natural for us to, to be excited, to be happy, to be joyful about our setbacks. But look, we, we serve a comeback God. We serve a comeback God. There are so many stories in Scripture of people that had setbacks, probably worse than what most of us have ever experienced, huge, huge setbacks, and then God redeems that setback and tells a great comeback story. The Bible is full of them. Uh, Moses, back in Genesis, he was on trial for murder, um, which he actually committed, and then he ran away, left his people behind in Egypt, and then he ended up coming back to Egypt and setting his people free and allowing millions of Israelites to leave slavery and head towards the promised land. Come back. Joshua, this guy was a young punk who, uh, who was like a lost boy as an Egyptian slave, um, as a young person. And then uh, he grew into Moses' number two guy and eventually led the people of Israel when they actually crossed into the promised land. He was a great warrior, great leader, Joshua. Uh, Joseph, he, we're going to talk more about Joseph in a little bit, but he was abandoned by his brothers, sold into slavery. Um, he was a, in prison and all that, and then rose to second in command of Egypt. David, King David, uh, if you're going to main service, it's all about David these last few weeks and the next couple, and it's so, so good. I heavily encourage you guys to, to check it out at 930 or listen uh, to their podcast online uh, afterwards. Um, but David, he was, he was a shepherd boy and the youngest uh, of his brothers, and he, he was chosen to fight a great warrior, Goliath. What an unbelievable setback in the moment. But God used him and, and made an incredible, incredible comeback story with David versus Goliath. And then David went on to lead the Israelites, and, and David was pretty much the greatest leader that, that they ever had. Then finally, you have Jesus. I mean, he, he died. He was killed. Yeah, he rose from the grave. That's like the definition of, of comeback right there. Man, that's the best comeback in history. He was, he was set back, and his disciples, as they watched him uh, be crucified, as they watched him be beaten and, and all that, they were thinking, oh my gosh, I thought he was going to be our king. And then, boom, comeback, rose from the dead, conquered death. He beat death. You can't, you can't top that. So let me help you with something. The Bible is a comeback story. The Bible is a comeback story. If you're sitting in here and you're going, hey, guess what? I, I got tons of setbacks. My life isn't going as well as I'd hoped. It's really not going well at all. Look, if you want to be reminded that we serve a God, that we are loved by a God who loves comebacks, open up your Bible because it's full of them. It's full of them. We sing a song sometimes in here, and there's a, a verse, and it says, Sin is strong, but Jesus is stronger. Like when you were dead in your sin, Jesus, uh, he became sin for us. He took on all of our sin, and, and he died. And while, while we were still sinners, that's when he died for us. It wasn't because we deserved it or because we were awesome or because we were like the best thing in the whole world. No, we were at our worst. 
Jesus, when he died, he knew the sin that you guys were struggling with today, the sin you're going to struggle with tomorrow, he died for that sin too. Look, you're going to have setbacks, but take heart, we serve a comeback God. So that's, that's pretty much the story of the Bible. The whole Bible is just God's people wandering and, and kind of either getting themselves in a setback or a setback happening to them, and then God saying, boom, come back. I got you guys. And then they're like, okay, God, I'm focused on you. Squirrel. And then they get over here, and it's, it's setback. And then God's like, come back. And then, boom, redemption, come back. It's awesome. That is it. But listen to this, okay? Uh, this is the next blank in your notes. It says this, setbacks, setbacks to you are really setups for God to use you. Setbacks to you are really just setups for God to use you. Some of you guys, you're, you're waiting. You're waiting for a comeback. <laughs> My life is a big setback, and you're waiting for that comeback. And your life isn't where, where you want to be. Maybe you're mad at God. I hear this a lot. Like You're mad at God because you don't know why God has done this to you. Why has God put you in this position? Why has God allowed this setback to happen? Because you're just waiting for God to hand you that comeback. And, and with that, I have a thought. I have a thought about setbacks for a second. Um, remember a couple weeks ago we were doing that series, or a few weeks ago we were doing that series on prayer. And, and we talked about always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. Why should we pray? Why should we pray? I think one of the reasons why we pray is because God gives us setbacks. He doesn't give us setbacks so that we would be set back, but so that we would depend on him. God, God doesn't give us setbacks so that we would be set back, but so that we would turn to him, so that we would pray. Look, we, we need to pray out of desperation. We should be praying more desperate prayers. We shouldn't be praying these little itsy-bitsy prayers that we could accomplish ourselves. We should be praying big prayers, saying, God, I can't do this on my own. There are so many of my friends at school that don't have any idea who you are, and they think Christianity is a joke. They think we're all hypocrites. They think it's a waste of my time that I go to church all the time. You're saying, God, I need your help. These setbacks that we go through in life are really just good excuses for us to pray. Now, I'm, I'm speaking to myself right now. Because, man, I, I just, <laughs> I've recently experienced a, a setback, and I, I, I was crushed by it. I was crushed by it. I didn't, I didn't want to take a step forward. I had encouragement that was uh, sent to me. I had people around me that were encouraging me. And do you ever feel like that, where people are, like, reaching out to you, and you're just like, nah, I'm good. And God was asking me to pray. God was asking me to trust in him. Because in this life, it's not about you. It's not a, about me. It needs to be about God. We have to put our trust in God. If we put our trust in ourselves, we're going to fail over and over and over again. There's this verse, John 3.30, and it says, He must become greater, I must become less. If any of you are in here and you struggle with pride, you need to memorize John 3.30. It's super easy to memorize. He must become greater, I must become less. He must become greater, I must become less. I literally, I, I think that, I pray that all the time. I, I have something that I do right before I come on stage every week and preach, and, and it's just this reminder that it's not about me that it's about God, and that if I'm not leaning on God, then they're just words. Look, when, when we want to get our comeback, when we have these setbacks in life, and we're looking for a comeback, first we have to have an attitude of 
hey, God, I need you. As long as we're doing it on our own, you'll never get your comeback. Look, when we turn to God in the face of a setback, we see that God is setting us up to be used by him. He's setting us up for the next big success story. Uh, If you're stuck in, I got this mode, you're never going to climb out of the the rut that is the setbacks that you're experiencing. I... (laughs) Just a thought that came to me from listening to Solomon share in junior high, which, by the way, Solomon, you did a great job, man. Guys, be proud of your peer who preached. Yeah. He preached this morning in junior high, and he had this idea, and kind of a, uh, a version of that that relates to this is that if we're, if we're too focused on, on the setbacks in our life, we'll never, we'll never overcome them. That, like, he had this idea, he was teaching on repentance, and he said sometimes uh, when we're repenting, when we're turning away from our sin, all we're focused on is turning away from our sin, but we forget that we're supposed to turn towards God. But if we get so focused on our setbacks, I'm just stuck. I'm stuck in a rut. This is my, my life. It's just busted, broken, beaten up. We, we can't ever see that there's a comeback on the horizon. Uh, I remember for years... For years, starting around the time that picture, oh gosh, that picture that was taken, uh, I, I experienced dating setbacks. It was around that time in my life that I was like ready to get married, okay, as a crazy, goofy-looking 15-year-old. And, and I, I wanted to get married. I was, I was sick of messing around. I was sick of, of dating just to date and have fun and all that. And when you're 15 and you want to get married, you're probably going to experience some setbacks in that. And that, there were times over and over and over again, even until, uh, see, I was 23 when Carlin and I met, where even in that year leading up to it, I experienced setbacks in that area. And there were days when I would just look at God and I'd be like, what the heck? Like, you put this desire in my heart to share life with someone, and I'm trying to, trying to hold out for that, that right person, for that person that's going to help me pursue you even more. And I just kept getting focused on these setbacks. But now, after the fact, I, I realized that, that God needed me to go through all of those setbacks so I could be the man that I was when I met her. Because I'm telling you, 15-year-old Matt, if we had met then, <laughs> I don't think anyone was a big fan. Uh, but but we, need, we need these comebacks. We need to experience these things. These setbacks in our life, they're, they're worth it. They matter. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Wow. Uh, I think if you are stuck on a setback, you need to look at some comebacks just to be reminded that they're possible. Now, I'm not talking about superhero movies. It seems like the Avengers are always down and out and impossibly tackled, and then they find some ridiculous way to come back, and it's awesome, and you cheer, and all that stuff, but I'm not talking about fiction. I'm talking about fact. I'm talking about open up your Bible and read some stories. Here's a story about Joseph. Way back in Genesis, the dude Joseph, he had some dreams. Okay? He had these dreams that he would one day uh, be in this really prestigious position of power. And he's the youngest of a bunch of brothers. And he goes, hey, brothers, guess what? I'm going to rule you guys one day. And if your little sibling told you that, I don't know how you would respond, but it'd probably be something similar to this. They faked his death, threw him in a pit, and sold him to slavery. Uh, and, and so, <laughs> please don't do that to your siblings. Uh, and, and so, boom, setback, okay? 
So he, he's in, he's sold into slavery, uh, and he becomes a slave to a certain guy. His name was Potiphar. He was a high-ranking official in Egypt, and it, like things are looking up for him because he, you know, if you're going to be a slave, be a slave to this guy. And he's, you know, becoming a trusted person for Potiphar. And then, boom, uh, framed for sleeping with Potiphar's wife. That doesn't go super well. Thrown into jail. Setback. Uh, like at that point, Joseph is going, "Hey God, thanks a lot for those dreams, buddy." Like that's that's not. You know, he, he, he's had these dreams that God placed in his heart, and he's going, man, this is awesome. God, you're so good. And then, boom, setback. And then, boom, setback. And then, boom, setback. And he's going, God, why did you give this to me? Why have you done this for me? And then he's in prison, and, and the type of prison that he was thrown into was uh, kind of with all of the other political prisoners, and he learned all this stuff about trade and economics and the industry of that area just by spending time with other people in the prison. Um, by some crazy circumstances, he, he gets out of prison and ends up becoming Pharaoh's number two over all of Egypt. And I don't think, if it wasn't for the setback of him being in that prison, that political prison, he would never have learned all the things that he needed to one day get out of that and rise and be in this incredible place where he was able to help tons of people. Guys, the, God has a plan, and it's good. But the problem is, it's... It's not always good to us. We, we would rather do what we want to do. Man, God, I've got some good plans. God, you should hear my plans because they're so good. And then God listens, and he's like, okay, thank you for that. Hey, actually, I've got a plan, and I know what I'm doing. And right now, what you're experiencing as a setback is just going to set up for an incredible, incredible comeback story. <sighs> Setbacks really are God's setups. What is God setting you up for? you're in a rut right now, what is God setting you up for? Ask yourself, like really, just think, man, because sometimes we get so focused on our, our, our setbacks that we can never see past them, and, and we, can't, uh, we can't imagine that God could ever bring us out of it. But really think, try to transform your mind, like what, what could God be doing through you because of that setback? Uh, here's the, the bottom line for today. You should, you should definitely remember that there's never been a comeback without a setback. There's never been a comeback without a setback. Who doesn't love a good comeback story? So here's the deal. Our setbacks is what we focus on the most. They're, they're the loudest in our life, right? Right? Our, our setbacks seem to be the loudest thing in our life. That's all we can focus on. We need, to, we need to turn around. We need to, we need to focus on that potential comeback that God has for us. It's these moments when we're sitting in our setback and we're looking at it and it's the loudest thing in our life. It, uh, maybe some people are reaching out to you and are encouraging you. Maybe you're getting some encouragement through you know, a small group or through a friend or through a, a teaching or something like that. But we don't want to listen to it. We're just so focused on our setback. Like this idea of an undefeated life in Christ, it's these moments when you're stuck in your setback. That is where champions are made. That's, that's where you have to take that step and say, okay, God, I know that this is where I am, but look at where I could be. We have a, a comeback God, and, and you are a comeback story waiting to happen.
band's going to come forward. We're going we're gonna to close out. Let's pray together real quick. God, you're, um, you're good. You're good all the time. And that's crazy because sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes we'd rather do things our way and man, man, is it frustrating when things don't turn out the way we want them to. God, but I pray that you would help us to focus on something greater. That you have a plan and we just need to trust. God, as Chad said, we want magic and you want trust. God, we just need to trust you more. That you don't just provide setbacks so that we would be set back, but so we could pray, so we could trust in you, God. This morning, as we go home, go back to our families, maybe that at home, that's where our setback is sitting and waiting for us. God, I pray that we would have a renewed sense of hope that those setbacks are just temporary. And no matter how hard it is for us to maybe see past them now, God, help us to know that, <laughs> that that's your plan for us. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.